Peace, peace. We are back once again with Masterminds with Brother Shamel. I'm your host, Brother Shamel, and I'm back with another episode. Um, before I get into the topic, um, just want to let everyone know um, I appreciate the support um, that I've been getting um, and continue to get. Be sure to go on my website. Shemel.com, that's S-H-E-M hyphen E-L.com um, to check out my books. My uh, my book, Land of the Free, uh, has been republished, so you can check that book out. Um, also, you can get my other books, my videos. Um, I've been getting quite a few requests as of, recent, recent, as of recently um, pertaining to who is Elohim, so I appreciate all the orders that I've received on that. Also, for those who have been um, asking me and inquiring, the the MetaMind Mastery course is still on. Um, we're looking to kind of um, get a f- couple of more people for the beta group. And once we got that locked in, we'll go ahead and, and get it popping. So I uh, thank you all for those who've been asking me waiting patiently on the course uh, I have not forgotten you so the MetaMind Mastery uh, if you are interested go to my website shemel.com s-h-e-m hyphen e-l dot com send me a message let me know that you're, you are interested in the course um, we'll have a one on one 15 minute consultation and we will um, just see where we at to see how we can best uh, how I can best assist you in terms of um, getting you on a course because it's it's going to be catered to you to actually help develop you where you're at to get to um, get to a higher level and develop and um, elevate, transform, and things of that nature. So, with that said, I'm going to go to the topic today. Um, it's a solemn occasion. I'm dedicating this I'm dedicating this episode to my dear friend, my dear brother Kofu Shashunk, um also known as Edward Johnson who passed away recently this past Sunday from COVID-19. So as I speak just just bear with me because it's a hard thing to actually talk to talk about. I had actually kind of prepared or I thought I prepared to um, speak on this, but as I speak on it now, you know, definitely, um, you know, dealing with emotions about it because the brother, he um, was a long time friend, long time friend. So, to just give context to it. The first part of this um, show, and the name of this show is entitled um, Spirit Man Cannot Die. So the first part of the show will actually be dealing, um, you know, with personal memories, reflections of uh, my friend. And also the later half, I will be getting into the aspect of 
you know, transitioning death in the, in the spirit realm and things of that nature. So with that, um, I want to start off as I always should with reading um, a section or, or a couple of sections from the circle seven. And I will start off with chapter one first. And so I'll just go. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and read from the part of chapter one where it speaks about the soul attributes. It says, and these soul attributes became a body beautiful, a multitude of lessons man must learn upon the plane of soul. And here he tarries many ages until his lessons are all learned. Upon the boundary of the plains of soul, the ether began to vibrate slower still. And then essence took on a final guard. The perfumes and odors and the true sensations and the all of love were clothed in flesh. And man was clothed in flesh. Perfected man must pass through all the ways of life. And so a carnal was full manifest, a nature that sprang forth from fleshly things. Without a foe, a soldier never knows his strength, and thought must be developed by the exercise of strength. And so this carnal nature soon became a foe that man must fight, that he might be the strength of Allah made manifest. Let every living thing stand still, and here, man is the Lord of all the plane of manifest, of protoplast, of mineral, of plant, of beast. But he gave up his birthrights just to gratify his lower self. But man will regain his lost estate, his heritage, but he must do it in a conflict that cannot be told in words. Yea, he must suffer trials and temptations manifold. But let him know that cherubim and seraphim that rule the stations of the sun and spirit of the mighty Allah who rule the solar stars are his protectors and his guide, and they will lead to victory. Man will be fully saved, redeemed, perfected by the things he suffers on the plane of flesh and on the plane of soul. When man has conquered carnal things, his garb of flesh will then have served its purpose well, and it will fall, will be no more. Then he will stand untrammeled on the plane of soul where he must full complete his victories. Unnumbered foes will stand before man upon the plane of soul. These he must overcome, yea, overcome them Every one, thus hope will ever be his beacon light. There is no failure for the human soul, for Allah is leading on and victory is sure. Man cannot die. The spirit man is one with Allah and while Allah lives, man cannot die. When man has conquered every foe, Upon the plane of soul, the seed will have full opened out. 
will have unfolded in the holy breath. The garb of soul will then have served its purpose well and man will need it nevermore. And it will pass and be no more and man will attain unto the blessedness of perfectness and at one with Allah. So that was the end of chapter one. And from there, I'm just going to read chapter four, which speaks about the death and burial of Elizabeth, Matheno's lessons, the ministry of death. I'm just going to read from chapter three to chapter I mean, I'm sorry, it's chapter four, but verse three to verse six. And it says, death is no enemy of man. It is a friend who, when the work of life is done, just cuts the cords that binds the human boat to earth, that it may sail on smoother seas. No language can describe a mother's worth, and yours was tried and true. But she was not called hence until her tasks were done. The cause of death are always for the best. For we are solving problems there as well as here. And one is sure to find himself where he can solve his problems best. It is selfishness that makes one wish to call again to earth departed souls. So, just... um using as the basis for what I'm going to speak on. Um, I'll get into um, some story, background story about me and my my friend. So Kufu, who I used to, you know, we originally used to call him Big Ed. Big Ed. I met him in the late 90s. Quite certain I met him in the late 90s and was introduced to him through his cousin, who was another great friend of mine, Shaq, um, aka Troy Gregg, who lost his life some years ago. He was murdered, he was killed, and we the reason why we were able to connect because we all came from um, the same school of teaching. We all came through the Ansar Law community. He was in New Jersey. He's originally from New Jersey. I, of course, am from New York. And Shaq, his cousin, is from Philly. So to kind of fast forward um, he ended up coming down to Louisiana I was already in Louisiana I had been there quite some time I've been in several cities in Louisiana helping open up bookstores and things of that nature and Shaq was down there too with me before you know before Ed at the time came down before Khufu came down. So Khufu came down and um we was in Baton Rouge and we pretty much bonded from there. Just clicked. Um good brother, 
just a solid dude. I can't nothing nothing bad I can say about the man. Uh, always willing to help out, had a big heart. Um, I would always say to myself that he was kind of like a more disciplined version of Shaq, his cousin, who was also my dear friend and brother, because Shaq had a big heart too, always helping people, but he had a wild side. (laughs) Shaq was known to be wild. Anybody who knows him knows, you know what I'm saying? But good guy. Um, we, we lived in the same place together, lived in the same house. At one time we, we lived in a hotel, um, just being young people, entrepreneurs trying to get money. You know, we said it was down South hustling. That was the term we was using it, but we was, you know, doing it on a, on a upright manner. We were selling, um, jewelry, uh, mixtapes, or should I say mix music CDs, um, even connecting with local artists, putting their music out. Um, at one time, you know, Shaq himself um, dabbled in the music. I dabbled in the music, um, going to studios, making music. Uh, we also sold the, the screw tapes was big at the time. The down south screw tapes out of Texas. So we used to sell that. But, you know, we lived together, we got money together, we ate together, we drank together, you know what I'm saying? Shaq was my drinking partner at the time when I used to drink, Um, you know, went out together, chased women together, you know, that, like I said before, when we was younger, and but we will also build together. We will always talk about knowledge, um, information, you know what I'm saying? Always studying, always wanting to know more about ourselves, um, developing ourselves, you know, as we was trying to make out, you know, learn about ourselves. So fast forward, you know, we ended up, you know, parting ways I left back I think I left Baton Rouge first um Khufu ended up eventually leaving he went to Georgia I would see him um a couple of times he ended up um having three um you know being the father of three children um through the mother of his child mother of his children um they all you know they all have the same mother and I want to give, um, honors and condolences and prayers out to them. Um, Nefertari, Adafa and Sekhmet. And, um, I know they're, you know, it's a, it's a definitely a testing time. So, you know, my, my prayers and my, uh, my love goes out to them for sure. All of the family. I got to know, um, Meshach's, I mean, sorry, not Shaq, but um, Khufu's brothers. I met his brothers. I met his mother, his sister. Um, you know what I'm saying? They came down when they was in Louisiana, when he was in Louisiana, they came down and visit. I got to see them. He seen my brother when my brother came down to Louisiana. So, and we always asked about each other's family. You know what I'm saying? Um, always kept in touch. You know what I'm saying? He, he's a loyal, loyal dude. 
you know, there's, there's stories I can tell and there's stories I'll take with me to, you know, I, I'm no longer breathing on this earth, but he was a, he's a good guy. Um, one of the things about him is we always have, we always laugh, you know what I'm saying? He always liked to crack jokes. I crack jokes, but, uh, we had this inside joke where he would call me Reverend Hill, you know what I'm saying? And he would always get on the phone and say, Reverend Hillis is the illest, you know what I'm saying? And, um, that was just a thing. He just off the gate, just, he just called me that nobody else called me that he just went like he before I came into um, the more science temple of America and became a sheik and a divine minister. He, I guess he saw something in me having that type of spirit of a minister and a teacher um, that others didn't see. Um, but he will always say it in joke form. You know what I'm saying? But he always proud of me. He, he you know, saying he um, he supported what I did, uh, even though I left, you know, the Nuwabian organization, which is now Sabians. But I left that and joined into the Moore Science Temple of America. He still supported me. He still saw me as a brother, regardless of what he may have thought of my decision to join the Moore Science Temple of America he recognized the fact that I was sincere and he recognized that I was just, um, just trying to give information to help people grow in what I learned, the information I came across that resonated with me. And I always respected and loved him for that. One of the last things he did, cause he would, he was a supporter of the show. He was a supporter of masterminds and brother Shimel. He was a supporter of my YouTube channel he would drop comments on the YouTube channel showing support. And um, one of the last things um, he did is he asked me for a copy of the book that I would mention a lot on this show. And that book is Bible Mysteries uh, Revealed. I went ahead, made a copy for him, sent it to him. And, um, that wasn't the last conversation we had. The last conversation I had with him, he was actually in the hospital. He had already been diagnosed with COVID. And um, he was talking about um, that he was hoping to leave, get out the hospital in a day or two, because he said he felt better. Um, and I think we that was pretty like much the last time they spoke, spoke to him two times when he was in the hospital and um, and we would communicate a lot via Instagram so he would send me stuff boxing he was a boxer he um, you know he trained as a boxer out there up north in, in New Jersey he, he loved boxing we both had a love for boxing so we always have stories about boxing one of the last things we talked about was the um, Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight you know what I mean and um, he was actually um, developing a fight style, you know, for, as he would say, his tribe, you know, the Nawabians at the time. And I don't know if he ever finished the um, everything that he did as far as formulating that fighting style. 
but that was one of the things he was working on based on his experience as a boxer and training. And um, so, yeah, he, he was looking at leaving, going out there. Uh, I'm trying to think something else. Coming home. And I didn't think nothing of it because I was like, you know, he's going to he's going to beat this. I've known a couple of people who've had COVID and had it bad, you know what I'm saying? But they, they beat it, you know what I'm saying? I thought the same thing about my brother. I did not think it was going to take him. But um, I got the text from our friend, Tahuti Moe's, and um, he texted me, said um, he passed away. So needless to say, that hit me hard. Definitely hit me hard. And um, definitely I could just imagine his children and um, because he be, he was a single father, single parent, he was raising his three children on his own. So I can just imagine what they're going through. But I do want to, you know, just give honor to him. You know, his memory. He's the he's one of the people who I mentioned in every one of the books that I've written. If you look at my acknowledgments, you'll see Kufu Shishunk. He's one of the first names that I write in my acknowledgments as far as my friends, because he was a true friend, always, never changed, never changed. Um, funny, funny guy. We had, he, he accepted me as who I was off the gate and I could be myself around him in, in just, I didn't have to put up, I didn't have to, I didn't have to sugarcoat anything with him. And we were always laughing, always having jokes. He always had an um, interesting thing. Is he, He'd have these several different jokes about me, right? And one of the jokes uh, was, <laughs> I always wanted to, I always had a thing for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I get that from my father. Um always was a person eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but there was a point in time where I stopped with putting jelly on my sandwiches because I felt like, you know, I called myself wanting to be more healthy, so I put honey instead of jelly. And, yo, he found out and started cracking up, cracking on me. Like, yo, you put honey, (laughs) peanut butter and honey? So to, like, to the last days, he would always bring that up like yo so you eating any more peanut butter and honey sandwiches and um funny enough and I kid you not I had not eaten peanut butter and honey sandwiches or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in in years honest honestly I kid you not he passed on a Sunday now let me backtrack (laughs) let me backtrack because this is true story this is this is fact um Prior to him passing away, like maybe the the week of leading up, uh, I see a Peter Pan jar, like it's a fresh new one. Like I I don't go out and buy pe- you know peanut butter, so I'm like uh, I said I guess my my wife bought it for some reason. There was no jelly, so I'm like okay whatever. Um, but I had no desire to eat. You know, it's like you know. We didn't even have bread <laughs> for this. So I was like, I don't know why she bought peanut butter. Um, 
but I kid you not, he passed away on a Sunday. Tuesday morning, I had a, a strong desire to eat peanut butter and honey. And there was no bread, so I literally was just taking a scoop of peanut butter and putting honey on it. I kid you not, it's just that it was it's the strangest thing, but I guess that's my brother communicating with me from the other side, you know what I'm saying? Um and so that's what I did. It was just the weirdest thing because I don't I don't eat peanut butter and honey <laughs> sandwiches or peanut butter and jelly. I don't even do that, man. I left that alone. I left the game. I got out the game, but I got called back one last time. So, you know, I'm just, you know, thinking good thoughts of my brother. Um, and, and it's from the heart because you rarely have someone who who maintains that level of friendship um, throughout from beginning to end, you know what I'm saying? Like Shaq, who's his cousin, who's also my dear friend. You know, of course, we was friends from the first time I met him till he passed away. But um, and I got the call from Kufu. Kufu is the one who called me because Kufu was the one who was driving him. Um. No, he may not have been the one driving him to the hospital, no. But he's the one who found out he was in Louisiana when he got killed. And he was the one who called me. I got the message from him. And I passed the message to others. So it was like the same thing over again. But, you know, you're talking, you know, way over 20 years you know what I'm saying of friendship way over 20 years of friendship and like I said he's never changed we never lost contact with each other like on a real for a long period of time you know I had not seen him in years you know physically but we always you know we was gonna talk we didn't let too much time pass it might be a month or so but we're going to hit that phone and we're going to talk. Um, and then we got on IG. You know, we always hit each other. He's always throwing me, you know, videos, funny videos, or boxing videos. I throw him something every now and again. Just a true friend, man. Just just solid. Solid, dude. Man. And so that's to be cherished. You know what I'm saying? And I just want to, you know, big him up on that because I think that's important. When you have people in your life who who are consistent in how they present themselves to you, that's a trait to be honored. Everybody doesn't have that. You know what I'm saying? Even when we fell out, you know what I'm saying? We had we've had like don't it wasn't always peaches and cream like we had our rough patches as friendships you know friends will do that brothers will do that but we was all we was able to get past that we was able and because we both knew that we had we know that our hearts were in the right place 
I never tried to, um, you know, do wrong by him. He never tried to do wrong by me. We may have had misunderstandings, but that was it. You know what I'm saying? Um, love the brother. And I knew he loved me. You know what I'm saying? It, he, um, like I said, he stayed, he stayed loyal to the, the doctrine of, of the Sabian doctrine, what they call today, which was the Nuwabian doctrine at the time when I left. But he stayed loyal to it. He stayed loyal to the organization, everything it represented. And I, I honor that, you know. Though I moved on, he stayed loyal to it. And more so than that, you know, within him staying loyal to it, he wasn't judgmental. He wasn't self-righteous. You know what I'm saying? Because I've seen that side in people. But he was never that way. You know what I'm saying? He was able to accept he was able to accept that information as far as light in all different aspects. So with that, in honor of my brother, I want to just give that give that little background story. And on the next half, I'm going to get into some lessons that we both shared in terms of um, the reality and the metaphysics of life after death. Now, before I get into um, this next half, um, where I actually um, go into some sciences pertaining to um, life after death, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this um, other point about the recent transition of my friend, Khufu. And that is that uh, in the process of me looking to cope with his passing one of the things I did was I was looking to reach out to some people in Baton Rouge who knew him Um, and we'll give a a special shout out to um, Anthony Parker um, brother also known as Total Darkness who's a who's a um, musical artist out there in Baton Rouge who I've known for quite some time. Um, me and Shaq used to go to his studio and record music, but um, and we recently reconnected. He knew Khufu as well. Um, that being said, um, I was looking for some people. Um, one was... Uh, a brother named Fred, Fred Lloyd, who we knew. Also, uh, a brother we met uh, who was a part of the Nuwabian community. Um, and to this day, I, I can't get, wasn't able to get in touch with him. So I was trying to get in contact with another person who me and Ed both knew. And um, her name is Gina Davis. Um, someone who also was mentioned in my books, you know, as I dedicate acknowledgments, a very, was a very close friend of mine, very, very close. And, um, we had a lot of history together. And so I know that it had been years, um, that I had not heard from her. Um, 
and the last time I heard from her, I was, um, you know, helping her out with certain uh, financial things. Um, from afar, she living in Louisiana and I'm living in North Carolina. But I said that to say that um, and me trying to reach out to her because um, I didn't have her number. I didn't have her number and I wasn't able to connect with her on social media. I was just doing an online search to see if I come across something. And lo and behold, I came across her obituary. Um, I did not know that she had passed in 2017, September 2017 to be exact. And if I'm not mistaken, the last time me and her actually spoke on the phone was the beginning of 2017. So that blew me away. Um, she passed away at her home for, at the age of 40 years old. Um, also leaving behind three children, three sons. And um, like to this day, I don't know, you know, what was the exact cause of death. But needless to say, that was like the day, right the day after I found out about um, Khufu passing. So not only did I have to deal with my friend uh, Khufu passing away from COVID-19, then I find out that another acquaintance and a friend of ours, a good friend of mine, uh, who had not heard from in such a long time, had passed away, had been dead, physically dead since 2017, and it's 2021. So that just blew my mind. Um, so I say that to say, you know, it had me really reflecting on this whole thing about life and death because the strange thing is that I always had it in my head that she was still around, but we was just not communicating and you never know, you know, um, there's been other people who come to my attention who have passed away, you know, within the past year or so past months. And, um, but these two, you know, obviously virtue by the fact that they were, um, I mentioned them in all of my books and my acknowledgments. They, they, they held a special place in my heart um, as far as people who I knew and um, shared a lot with. So that will take me to this part. So one of the books that... Um, both Khufu and I um, was um, had the had the opportunity to read was a book written by Malachi Ziorkel called um, "Is There Life After Death" or "Is There Eternal Life After Death," and um, that particular book that I still have. You know, that was one of those books that take you on a journey. Um, sometime after, I came across a book called The Encyclopedia of Ancient and Forbidden Knowledge by Zola, um, which was published in 1970. And um, 
So it's quite an old book. It was written before I was right before I was born. And um it has a lot of the same information that is in the book, uh, is the eternal life after death, um, by Malakazi York. So I'm actually going to be reading from that book, but, uh, before I do that, uh, I want to get into the interesting thing about my friend's name. Of course he was born, uh, Edward Johnson. We used to always call him initially big Ed, uh, cause he was a big guy, tall, very tall, always stocky. Um, you know, eventually down the line, he gained more weight, but was always, um, uh, big framed guy, uh, very strong. Like I said, he was a boxer, could fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I see, I seen him basically knock out Shaq, his cousin and lay him out. And Shaq was big. Shaq is a big one. Shaq was no joke. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was all. It, it was funny. It was. It was. It, it wasn't funny, but it was funny because they used to go at it. You know what I'm saying? But you know, Shaq, as wild as he was, he knew he was no match for Kufu. He he knew that. You know what I'm saying? But they loved each other. That that's that's just the fact of it, man. As much as they used to get on each other's nerves, they loved each other. They had each other's back. So, um, in saying that, so I guess I'm going to get into it. So, Khufu Shashunk, um, Khufu, they're both two names of ancient Kemetic pharaohs. Khufu, um, is known for being the pharaoh behind the Great Pyramid, um, at Giza. Um, then of course there's the other two smaller pyramids of his sons, but which those actual pyramids align up with the three stars in the belt of Orion. So the major one, the great pyramid, um, one of the wonders of the world, that particular one, um, is, was created under the dynasty of Khufu, uh, which also the Greeks called um, Cheops, which is C-H-E-O-P-S. Khufu is K-H-U-F-U. And um, the name Khufu is dedicated to the comedic deity Khnum. And Khnum is actually um, one of the earliest known Comedic deities, uh, which is originally the deity of the source of the now, right? And he was known as the creator deity, um, thought to be the creator of the bodies of human children, uh, which which made at the potter's will from clay, you know, and placed in the womb of the mother. So one of the um, titles is the divine potter and the lord who created things from himself and there's actually an episode um which i actually speak about kanum and the potter's will and how it relates to um the story in the bible and things of that nature um so you can check that out 
when you have the time. But I just wanted to drop that. Shashunk um, is also um, a pharaoh, the name of an, a comedic pharaoh, who is always presumed to be the the Egyptian ancient Egyptian king in the Bible, Shashak, in the book of First Kings, in the Bible, on the Old Testament. So that was the name that, you know, was given to him under, I believe it was the uh, ancient Egyptian order that he was a part of, um, organization, fraternity that he was a part of. And um, so he always represented himself ever since he received that name, under that name. And, and that's what I started calling him. You know, I would always respect that in address them as such um so that being said let me get into some of the information from this book of ancient and forbidden knowledge the the encyclopedia of ancient and forbidden knowledge and this is dealing with a chapter on the astral world now um if you remember i started it off started off by reading chapter one of the circle seven dealing with the creation and fall of man where I spoke about the plane of soul um you know I definitely went into that so this ties into that um in reference to this so just kind of keep that in mind so I'll read it in as follows so it says on the plane of forces we find seven subplanes and likewise the seven times seven subdivisions these are forces far below the scale of the ordinary forces of nature known to man and likewise there is a great series of nature's finer forces at the other end of the scale of which the ordinary man knows nothing It is these finer forces which account for many of the wonders of occult science. In particular, the fine force called prana or vital force plays a most important part in all occult phenomena. Next, above the scale of the plane of forces, we find the great astral plane. The term astral is derived from the Greek word meaning related to a star and was originally used in describing the heavens of the Greeks in the abodes of their gods. From this sense and usage, the term has widened in its application. So just keep that in mind and I'm going to kind of jump further into Um, traveling the astral plane. Okay. So let me go here. Let me. All right. Here we go. It says, if you have the knowledge and power, you may traverse all of these subplanes one after the other witness their scenery and inhabitants, their phenomena, 
and activity and then return to the material plane. This may be done in a moment of time without changing a single point in space. Or, if you prefer, you may travel to any of these subplanes of the astral and then travel in space on the astral plane to some other place. Then you have the choice of either of, of returning either the same way or else descending to the material plane and traveling on it in your astral body back to where your physical body is resting. In traveling on the astral plane, one meets with many strange inhabitants of the wonderful realm of nature. Some are pleasant and others are unpleasant. Some of these inhabitants have passed on from the material plane, while others have never dwelt on it. These forms are natives of the astral plane and peculiar to it. When you find yourself outside of your physical form or or body and clad in your astral form, your glance at your body and you find it appears no different from your ordinary body. Even your clothing is the same, and this phenomena occurs through perfectly natural laws on the astral plane. You realize you are indeed out of the physical body when you turn your head and perceive your own physical form, sunk in apparent sleep in the chair in which you were seated just a few moments ago. Looking a little closer, you will see that your astral form is connected with its physical counterpart by a tiny, thin, tenuous filament filament of ethereal substance resembling a strand of shiny spiderweb. This filament is capable of expansion and contraction, which enables you to move about freely. Now concentrate your will so that your vibrations increase in rate. You will find yourself in a strange atmosphere, although you have not moved an inch. Behind you, you perceive dimly the room in which you were just living. Ahead of you, you perceive strange flashes and streaks of phosphorescent light of many different hues and tints. These are vibrations and waves of force, for you are now passing through the plane of force. You will notice a peculiar faint vibratory glow around every physical object. This is the force of atomic and molecular attraction. Still fainter, you will find a peculiar radiance emanating the entire atmosphere. This is the outward sign of the force of gravitation. Now, you feel your life force vibrating at a higher rate and realize the sense of weight seems to be dropping away from you. You feel as though you could move without any effort. You may walk through the wall of the room and out into the street. Now walk down the street. Step out just as if you were in the flesh. Stop a moment. There you let a man walk right through you. Do you realize you are a ghost? Just as much as a ghost 
as was Hamlet's father, except his physical body was moldering in the ground. A dog will see you or a cat feels your presence. Animals possess very keen psychic senses, but cease thinking of yourself and look closely at the person passing by. You notice each one is surrounded by an egg-shaped aura extending on all sides to the distance of about two or three feet. Do you notice um, the uh, kaleidoscopic play of blending colors in the aura? Notice the difference in the shades and tints of these colors and also observe the predominance of certain colors. Notice the beautiful spiritual blue around that woman's head and see the ugly muddy red around the man passing. An intellectual giant with a beautiful golden yellow around his head like a nimbus comes into view. Notice these great colors of semi-luminous substance which are slowly floating around and notice how the colors vary. Those colors of thought vibrations representing the composite thought of a multitude. Notice how each body of thought is drawing to itself little fragments of similar thought, forms, and energy. Here is the tendency of thought forces to attract others to their kind. Thoughts come home. Speaking of atmospheres, notice each shop of its own peculiar thought atmosphere. The houses and the street itself have their own atmospheres created by the composite thought of those inhabiting and frequenting them. From above the level of the housetops, look down and see a great multitude of tiny lights. Each of them represents a human soul. A few brighter lights and some which shine like a brilliant electric spark are the auric symbols of advanced souls. Enter the vibrations of the lower subplanes of the astral, but nerve yourself to witness some unpleasant sights. The first impression is that the material world is still around you with all its scenes visible. As one looks, one will find there seems to be a peculiar veil between those scenes and the plane upon which you are temporarily dwelling. This veil, while semi-transparent, nevertheless seems to have a peculiar appearance with of resistant solidity and one instinctively realizes it would be a barrier to the passage of the astral entities back to the material plane gazing all around or gazing around all sides one sees what appears to be the disintegrating forms of human beings these forms seem to be floating in space they seem real and yet, in some ways, not real. They are not physical bodies, but still they bear too close a resemblance to the physical corpses to be pleasant. These disintegrating astral forms are what occultists know as astral shells. The astral shell is really an astral corpse, just as the physical body in the grave is a material corpse. The disembodied soul eventually leaves the astral and moves on to what occultists know as the mental and spiritual planes of being. These are symbolized 
by the conception of, quote unquote, the heavens. When the soul passes on, it leaves behind it the astral body it has inhabited while on the astral plane. I repeat that. When the soul passes on, it leaves behind it the astral body it inhabited while on the astral plane. This astral body or form then begins to disintegrate and in time disappears altogether and is resolved to its original elements. During this resolution process, it dwells on this particular division which has no other purpose and is separate and apart from the other subdivisions of the astral plane. There's a great difference between the astral shells of different individuals. So far the duration of the of the shells in this place of disintegration. For instance, the astral shell of a person of high spirituality and ideals will disintegrate very rapidly. So its atoms have little or no cohesive attraction once when when once it is discarded. But on the other hand, the astral shell of a person of earthly ideas and material tendencies will hold together for a long time. The attractive force generated while the shell is occupied by its owner is very strong. Those astral bodies are dead and have no consciousness or intelligence. And as a rule cannot even be galvanized into life as can the class of astral forms known as the spectres or shades. A momentary glimpse of the subdivision of the astral plane upon which the spectral forms abide is never a pleasant one, but it is interesting since it explains some peculiar features of psychic and occult phenomena which are often misinterpreted. Instead of floating about in astral space, as did the shells, these specters act at like shadowy, shadowy human beings in a dazed or dreamlike condition. They walk dreamily about without set object or purpose and are a weird, unpleasant sight. These specters are really astral shells from which the souls have departed, but which have left in them sufficient power from the thought and will vibrations of their former owners to give them a temporary semblance of life and action. In the case of the soul with high ideals and spiritual aspirations, there are practically no material thought vibrations remaining to galvanize that astral body after the soul has withdrawn. But in the case of the soul retaining strong material thoughts and desires, the power is stronger. In these, even after the high nature of the soul has drawn it upward and above the astral, these lower mental vibrations may persist in the deserted astral form, thus give it a semblance of life and activity which, though a counterfeit, may manifest considerable power for a time. The counterfeit power of these spectral forms steadily decreases, but in certain cases it is used up as a spark is rendered bright 
by blowing upon it. This is by means of a psychic stimulus from persons living on the material plane. This is the power generated in so-called circles and mediumistic persons on the material plane of earth life. The psychic power so generated coupled by the strong mental attraction set up between certain persons in earth light and spectral form may cause the form to manifest itself either by more or less complete materialization or partially through the physical organism of the medium or mediums present in the circle. In such a case, the specter reanimated and galvanized into life by means of the psychic power of the medium of the psychic circle will strive to manifest itself by speech, automatic writing, raps, or in various other ways. But at best, its effort will be feeble and faulty, and the persons witnessing the phenomena will always remember the event with the dim idea that, quote, there was something wrong about it, unquote. In some cases, the vibration of old memories will survive in the spectral form and will enable it to answer questions fairly well. But even then, there will be a shadow of unreality which will impress the careful observer. There are many other forms of spirit return, partial and complete, but much which passes for the real phenomena is really but a manifestation of the presence of spectral forms. Moreover, these entities borrow ideas and impressions from the minds of the mediums and persons in the circle, which in addition to their own shadowy memories, doubly become reflections or counterfeits of spirit. So that keeps in mind with the statement in the circle seven, where it speaks about um, truth, um, power and force. So in chapter seven, verse 14, where it says again, Lamas asked, what do you say of power? And Jesus said, it is a manifest is the result of force. It is, but naught is this illusion. Nothing more force changes, not but power changes as the ether change Force is the will of Allah and is omnipotent. And power is that will and manifest directed by the breath. So dealing with the breath and the life, knowing that man is breath made flesh, um, and that breath connects with the spirit. So we understand that spirit does not die. It goes transcend to the soul plane and then on vibrating into the spirit plane. And, um, so we know that there is no death for man. Um, and I say that to say that we, um, all life is bound by one cord. And I do this in honor of my friend, Kufa Shashunk, um, who has just transformed. Uh, he has not died. And so I say that in conclusion, I thank you all for listening until next time. Peace and love.